Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What's up, weebs and casuals alike, and welcome to the most glorious, chaotic podcast this size, side of the digital universe. We are Baka and Company, and we're here to dive into all your favorite anime shows and movies. We'll cover both new and old, and everything in between. I'm your big bug bad boy, Drutendo64. On deck, we have the high-flying Frank Furter. And last, but certainly not least, it's our grisly old mayor of town, Magically Average. You can't just say anything normal when you get introduced, can you? No, Like I nothing. <laughs> no. Oh, Frank. Yeah, no. Not me. <laughs> nope, never. Hello, everybody. Like Frank, Frank's first thought before we started recording, he's just like, all I'm going to be thinking about is the song and then <laughs> saying it before we started recording and then the first fucking words out of his mouth were that goddamn song again see but the funny thing is just let it just let it roast just let it just let it cook come on just you gotta gotta ease into it you can't come out the gate swinging like a madman just chillax to be fair before the podcast i said that i was gonna have the song tailspin from the old (laughs) disney show tailspin stuck in my head which i wasn't even part of that i don't care why was tailspin stuck in your head you don't he, want to go down that bunny yeah. hole. Let's just continue. Okay. All right. Well, today we're going to be talking about Nazca of the Valley of the Wind. It is not a Studio Ghibli film. It is what? technically a Topcraft film. <gasps> However, all of our favorite friends like Hayao Miyazaki are directing it, writing it, and our music is by the one, the only, Joe Hizazashi whose name I practiced earlier today. I was nice. I was just about to make a comment that I think in every <laughs> single 
episode we've recorded, you pronounced his name differently by like the smallest of margins. Ever so slightly. Yeah, I like it. I just assume it's a running bit now. Well, I that's mean, what I'll, yeah. I'll try and do from now on. I'll try and not mess that up. So next week um, is going to if... be music by Joe Hibachi. <laughs> and then by James Hitachi. Ah, that's even better. And just the cycle goes on, much like the circle of life, which wow. is an integral part of this wonderful film. So uh, I think so in Wilson. <laughs> minus, minus the lions, though. What? Uh, it, the circle of life Lion is King. like this he's, movie, he's and then I said minus Disney the lions. Holy crap. You made my brain fucking short circuit. Shut up. I if if it didn't mess up the recording, I would mute you in Discord so people could not have to listen to you blabber on about nonsense. Holy moly. My brain is Drew, what's this movie okay. about? What this movie is about is um essentially the companionship that humans should have with nature and how we should respect it, we should fear it, we should love it and all that fun stuff. Um Nazca itself is based on a manga that Hayao Miyazaki produced or made or authored or drew or did stuff with. Created. Created. There we go. That's the word. I'm wonderful today. Thanks for asking. We are um, all. We are all wonderful. Wait, wait, Don't group me in with you two goobers. Okay, Mr. My camera can't work, so let me plug it into that's another a, Yamate Kurosai plug. That's port. another. That's a technical <laughs> issue. At least my brain is able to function and click on all levels. Meanwhile, yours is actively melting, and I can see it. <laughs> and Drew's was never there to begin with because he's paper. Okay, my, so I don't want to hear from being drawn either in of you. Yeah, start yeah. Drew's like Patrick from the one episode where he has to keep drawing on the wall. He's like, "Damn it, my watch is out of battery again." Are you um, mad, Patrick? Yeah, I yeah. can't see my forehead. <laughs> I'm literally going to start crying. Continue, please. <laughs> all right. So um, a little bit of backstory. Um, this movie is all the way back from the best year on record, 1984. Uh, and it was produced by the team over there at Topcraft. Fun fact behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of the uh, limitations that they had were um, that not all the animators were in the same studio. Not all the animators were in the same town. So they kind of had to crowdsource a lot of the animation, send drawings to each other because certain people would only be paid per cell. And so if you wanted to obviously make money, you'd do more work. But in order to do more work, you'd have to know what you were doing. So they were sending cells back and forth, getting information from everyone. That's why you do see a couple hiccups uh, and things change like the color palette uh, a few times. And then uh, most notably, uh, Nausicaa's outfit. So that's one of the big things that most people didn't know about until the film got released worldwide. A lot of people just accepted it. Things happened. So um, way back in the before times, uh, Walt Disney uh, Pictures licensed and dubbed a lot of the Ghibli library and they asked to do this one. So back in 2005, a lot of us uh, got introduced to the wonderful cast of the English side of things. And we have people like Shia LaBeouf. Are we going to just real oh, quick, yeah. are we going to glance over the atrocity of the original English version of this movie? I didn't watch it. I didn't so, want to touch it, know, mainly because, yeah. 
yeah, they basically did their own dub in their own story. It was we, this movie single-handedly almost caused the United States to never have another Ghibli movie. Um, and that was because, yeah, we it was heavily re-edited for the United States to where uh, Shia LaBeouf's character, Asbel, was the main character. And Nausicaa was just a side thing. Uh, so, yeah, this, this, th- it angered Miyazaki so much. Like, I believe he sent a, a samurai sword to, um, or maybe it was the next movie that they sent a samurai sword to whatever studio it was in the signs of like, yeah, no, that's what it was. The next movie, he sent a samurai sword to whatever studio that was publishing it in the United States and basically saying, no cuts, you're not recutting this movie. Um, but yeah, this movie really almost fucked up the United States for Ghibli releases. And honestly, I am very happy that people were able to like come back, redub it and make it like true to the form and and actually let people like us and you experience the, the true format. Because there's a big thing that I've started to learn recently that um, Toei Animation, which uh, Topcraft is involved in and this movie was distributed by toy they do a really bad job with storing and protecting these old animated films whether it's a series like the example i saw today was sailor moon uh and dragon ball z so uh sailor moon's pink hue that a lot of us north american people got to see is not natural it's actually due to the media degrading and it not being stored and kept correctly uh, and then Dragon Ball, a lot of the stuff for Namek, the sky's not supposed to be green. It's supposed to be blue, like hmm. a, a cerulean deep blue. And it, again, same thing. They didn't store stuff correctly from the 80s. And then when people started dubbing in the 90s, things got out of hand. Uh, but back to uh, dubbing. So um, we have people like Shia LaBeouf here as, as well. We also have um, very weirdly... Uma Thurman as Kushana. We also have my favorite Patrick Stewart here as Lord Yupa. So it's it's great to hear him. Uh, Nausicaa is by Alison Lohman. Uh, and then we have just a, a smattering of people in between. But out of left field, Frank Welker's in this film. So gotta love Frank Welker being the guy that he is. Um, and then. Oh, he's he's beautiful. I I love the his voice. Um, but I saw where is it here? Um, filibustering, filibustering. I mean, oh, Edward James Edward. almost. Edward James oh. almost is in here, and like, why? Like, it's such an early time when the dubbings were done. I don't know if there was the excitement to be like, hey, I get to be in a Ghibli film. But, um, he's there, and then um, very quietly in the back corner, we also have Mark Hamill in here. Again, another Mark Hamill appearance. Yeah. Which I love. And then uh, the old lady is played by Tress McNeil, and you might recognize her from The Simpsons. So she's got the classic old lady voice. And Futurama. And Futurama. Yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs) Cat lady. (laughs) Or even she's she's She's, mom, too, right? She's a ton of, yeah, she's mom. She's a ton of voices. She's wonderful. I got two shares of this here, Kajikers. Um, Anyways. Please pronounce that word. Yes, I did. Anyways. And um, so diving deeper into the plot. So we get introduced to Nazca and she's doing some really cool stuff like harvesting that bug carapace or the bug eye there. 
and using it kind of like that shield. Um, ohm. Ohm. Will we find out that it's an ohm later? No, we later. don't. She literally says it's an ohm right there. I'm tired, oh, right. Just give me a break. I All it's right. it's honestly like working with two fucking monkeys right now. Ohm. I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah. Ohm. Oh. <laughs> um. But. Sorry. That's one of the things that drew me into the film was just the the direction and how she's using found materials. It kind of goes back to a lot of my favorite games are Monster Hunter games. So originally when I was younger and I saw this film, I was really heavy into Monster Hunter. I was like, oh, this is going to be a Monster Hunter film. This is interesting. She's going to make armor. She's going to make doodads. She's going to collect things. Absolutely not. A bunch not. of little cats are going to cook her big meals. <laughs> Yeah, man, those cats. I love those cats. Um, but uh, to kind of talk about my favorite part, I I just love the whole airship thing. I just love the designs. I love the mechanics. I'm very heavy into mecha kind of anime. And just seeing how the airships from the, the opposing city, or it's not a city, it's like a warring state, just bulldoze in all those tanks. All the armor that the the occupying forces are wearing is is just something that really like drew me and excited mm. me about this film. Of course, you'd like but, the villains. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then third time around, second time around, fifth time around, watching it again this week, I get treated to like more of. I enjoyed the story. I enjoy what it's like trying to touch base with and saying that as humankind, we need to be better. We need to take care of things. And I didn't know until I started researching it, but one of the main themes is pollution and it's related to like an actual environmental crisis in Japan where like this mercury po poisoning was going directly into like mm -hmm. a food basin of an entire village. And unfortunately people got sick mm -hmm. and Miyazaki hasn't been someone to kind of shy away from these kind of themes. He's very vocal about protecting the planet and and being a champion for being better and it's great to see that he started this so early on that he was like a champion for a better planet and that he's continued it to this day but that's my ramblings and why i love this film <gasps> magically average yes why do you love the valley of the wind or not love uh no i like it i like it a lot um i like it because you can't tell what time period it's in <laughs> apparently something happened a thousand years ago from when the story is currently taking place which is called the seven days of fire and the earth was basically scorched and started over and then all this stuff happened at some point but you've got an old-timey-ish village with simple folk but then you have very advanced airships and then you have knights in armor with swords and then you have tanks, like, who knows when this is taking place? It's all over the place, but yeah, I but like a simple village doesn't really necessarily need a militia or like tanks or anything like that. But yeah, the swords well, part is really kind of out of place. Yeah, but it I like that it gives more mystery to where everything's taking place and when everything's taking place. I feel like a lot of Miyazaki's later films. You can, you can pinpoint to a specific time period, um, most of which obviously take place in Japan, and there's like clear 
historical events happening around that time to where you can give it a timestamp and be like, okay, so I, I kind of have in my mind a semblance of when things are taking place. Nausicaa is like the only one off the top of my head that I can think of other than like mm, maybe like I don't even know I'm trying to think not a spirited away no because you have advanced you have cars it's a normal maybe town maybe Princess Mononoke but even then no, they're like not they're, really they're, like at the turn of, they're at the turn of technology yeah. with cannons and guns <laughs> yeah and so you can kind of pinplace it honestly again like because because the story is at a time in which they date back to a thousand years of being like the restart of life on earth. You can't really gauge within this thousand year period when this is taking place or, you know, if it actually is the earth that we know it's more fantastical in its placement in time than the story itself, which I kind of like, it's a very different take for Miyazaki where Miyazaki does more of like the, here's a time period that everyone knows. What happens when we throw a giant fucking raccoon monster in there and a cat bus? Ooh, imagination. Like, Nausicaa's different. It kind of flips it in the sense that it's more relatable. Well, I shouldn't say relatable, but there's less fantastical elements in what's happening, but more in which the time period it's taking place. So that, that, that part I like the most. Yeah, and I think you can kind of relate that. Uh, similarly, because we were grasping at straws as to what movie to compare to, Castle in the Sky would probably be the best comparison because you yeah. did have this technology, and then all of a sudden it kind of disappears, like almost as if like there was like witchcraft and like technology existed, and then they had a big battle, and then everything kaput. And yeah. now it's it's, it's like, like it's like um, the the similar in the sense of like. Legend of Zelda, like Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Where there's like advanced mm-hmm. technology from a Forburn time period, but now you're a certain amount of years in the future and it's been kind of a restart or a rebirth of that, of of you know, life itself. So that that yeah. aspect I enjoyed of the movie. Um I, I think the other piece to it is that it's this is nineteen eighty four. Four. Yep. Yeah. Nineteen eighty four. Um I like how I don't, it, there's no, it's, I say this in a positive way, but I like how grimy it is. Like a lot of the, well, there's a lot of like audio elements that I really, really like. The The one scene that sticks out is when um, Nausicaa and Osbo fall through the quicksand to the like under layer of the poisonous forest and they're eating these little seeds or nuts. And you can hear like, they probably just were like, here, grab something crunchy and eat it into this mic. Because it's like, you can tell that this person's just crunching on something while they're recording, and there's like no clean take of it. It's just, it kind of feels like a a 30-year-old mukbang. (laughs) Like, (laughs) way before, 40-year-old, excuse me, I can't can't do math, 40-year-old, like, it's it's just so grimy and so raw. Um, There's a lot of other parts where there's multiple people talking over one another, or like in the background, Um, that seems to be, again, something where they just had a bunch of people talking all at once. They recorded it. We're like, all right, cool. We'll splice this in on top of what else is happening. And it doesn't sound clean. It sounds very natural. And I think that's probably the best word to describe it is everything seems very natural in terms of the audio. And it it makes it feel like a more, like, 
to grounded film that they weren't trying to do a lot with it, but they were doing everything they could with what they had, and it almost made it even better. Um, that's not even taking into consideration the animation, the colors. Uh, we were talking about it beforehand that there's only like 253, 63, something like that, colors used, question mark, help? 263, I believe, yeah. Got it, 263. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like that it's very, it's just the bones of it are very, you know, simple, but they they were able to do so much with it. A lot of scenes really play out very nicely. I th- I'm thinking of like the ending scene with the ohms, when they're marching and then they all subside, their rage subsides and they gather around Nausicaa. And that's the famous part that Frank sang earlier um, where she's jumping through all of their weird tentacle things that turn into a golden field. Like that animation, like right there was just gorgeous. And it's crazy to think that this was basically 40 years ago that it was, it was made. So no, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I, like I, I watched it back in college um, and I liked it back then too when I was still new-ish to Ghibli, Ghibli films because um, I wasn't introduced to them until much later in life. So, yeah, definitely, definitely up in my top five. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Fair enough. Um, I probably wouldn't rank it as high. I think I like the message the most in this one because it is so clear cut and like the simple. message that every single other fucking Miyazaki right. film has. <laughs> don't right, right, hurt right. the but earth. Save the planet. Right, it's, but it's, it's, it's literally it's... just don't hurt the earth. And then all the movies are bullet point. Here's something that happened. Don't fucking do this. And then next bullet point. Another thing that happened. Don't fucking do this either. Okay, in, but in in regards to the theming, I, yeah, I'm yeah. more so was saying like this is more clear cut. Hey, don't fuck with the earth. While others like have semblance of it, and it's a little bit buried sometimes, or you know there are other themes surrounding it. This is just purely don't fuck with the earth. Let earth heal itself. Just let it be. Let it let it grow. Let it be. Let it do its thing. And I I think I like that a little bit more than just adding multiple and multiple and multiple things on top of one main theme. So for me, I think it, since it's like the most clear cut, I really enjoy that. Um, it's it's a good movie. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's a good movie. It's clear cut and simple. Like it, the best way to describe this movie is very simple. Um, I do like the audio for it. I think that the um, sound effects of how like, synthetic they are and how kind of like um like pew pew like type almost stars warsy ish like kind of synthetic it it really draws out a little bit of your childhood of what you used to watch because this is again 
40 years. This isn't like 40 years old, Tyler. This year, it is 40 years old. No, I know. Um, it just, so, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking. Yeah. Watching it, 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 and brings you, it brings you back to a simpler time where technology for sound effects weren't as advanced. So you kind of had to deal with what you could. And I, I really enjoyed it. I, I do enjoy that. Um, the voice acting is pretty darn solid in this, even for the English voice acting. Uh, the music by uh, Joe Haishi. I don't know if that's how you... Pr- I don't know. Dude, yeah. I can never pronounce his fucking name. Uh, he's the best, but... Yeah, no. Another banger of a soundtrack. Not his best, but, I mean, to be fair, this it's is the second first. movie. <laughs> is This is the first for Ghibli. Well, I say Ghibli. This, this movie basically founded Ghibli. Like it yeah, did exactly. so well that it provided the funds to start the studio. Um, so with him kind of like taking the realm, like reins of the first Miyazaki movie, we'll say. I know it's not Miyazaki's first directorial movie, but you, you know what I'm trying to get at. Anyways, I enjoyed it. It's simple. It's good. It's not the best, but it is. It's fun. It it does not. Similarly to Castle in the Sky, where it's like you can listen to it and know exactly, well, you will know exactly where you are in the movie, but it doesn't flow as well with like what's going on on screen sometimes compared to like Castle in the Sky. So, again, I think it's a good movie. I think it's just somewhere in the middle. It's not great, it's not bad, it's just somewhere in the middle for me. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I I think it's a fun movie. I I think the first time I ever watched this, I don't know if I was in high school or if I was in college, but it was somewhere in the early 2010s. So somewhere in that range is when I first watched it. I thought it was good back then, and I think that my opinion of it was good has not changed. Okay. Well, there's uh, a couple other production notes I wanted to also bring up. Um, Like I was saying, there was people paid... Uh, for their artistic talent to to get everything up to date and bring the movie to what we we love and know. Um, so they were paid per frame, and one of the uh, biggest things that we found with that is one of the notable animators was Hideki Anno, uh, founding member of Gainax, who went on to uh, write and direct Neon Genesis Evangelion. So like dipping his feet in here, um, getting getting himself solidified, um, and he was uh, working on the specifically the God Warriors attack sequence, which um, was one of the higher points in the film, and was like one of the more challenging things for them to do. Because even if you watch that now, you can see like how the energy charges and how well like it's it's done. Because it also is now the classic anime beam attack, where like the beam cuts through a bunch of things, and then you see the explosion which is always super cool. Uh, but I also wanted to uh, let you guys in on this other tidbit is it did make a profit. It did blow the box office away for what it did. And um, Miyazaki was asked almost immediately like, Hey, do you plan on doing a sequel? Is this like something you want to see go into fruition? And early on he did have those um, ideas. Um, and I was reading back in 2011, unfortunately, when he got very sick and he thought, this is it. I'm I'm literally going to die. Um, he told, um, I lost the name here. Uh, one of the other people that worked on the film is like, you're more than welcome to take Nosco over and you're, you're, you're allowed to like go on and make a sequel if you want. 
and then he got better. Uh, and then those plans kind of got shelved and we haven't really heard of it. So I wonder if in all of his great wisdom and knowledge, if he ever does retire from retiring and actually retire, um, it would be really cool to see the sequel be the last film he makes. That's just where I kind of he'll retire when he's dead. Honestly, I don't <sighs> think I don't, I don't want that. to like, I don't want that. Nobody <laughs> does, but it it's honestly probably what's going to happen. That's probably for that's probably the most ideal situation. You hear a lot of stories of history people in certain professions that retire and the 40, 50 years they spend in that profession, them not doing it anymore, just like immediate. It's really I'd, I'd much rather him just keep going, make movies until you're okay. 80, 90, 100. Keep going. Yeah, I just think it's more so he he connects better with making movies than I feel like he does with people yeah. sometimes. Uh, the, so I, I think that that's probably one of the reasons why he, he I, does it. And I don't want to see any sequels to the Miyazaki films. That's just me. But, I, but wait, there's a prequel. Yeah, I know. We're not going to talk about that. Anyway, um, I think for the final film, as opposed to doing sequel to Nausicaa, you do the real one, you know, the real 360 motion, go full circle, and make a movie about destroying the Earth and fuck the Earth. Well, that's just, what the prequel is. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it better Which was then. Done by, it was done, it was, it's a 10-minute short film by Hideki that's Anno, not, and it's That's not it's, a feature film. That's a 10-minute no, short. I'm looking at some of the screenshots for it because it's a live action film. We are and not, it's wild. We are not watching a live action film from the early eighties. No, it's it's made in twenty twelve. It Never is like mind. a Godzilla man in a suit type looking film. It's definitely not watching that either. <laughs> it is it is horrifyingly yeah, no, I, awesome looking. I, I want a <laughs> I want a film where a girl similar to Nausicaa comes out and it's just like, ha. Ah, all right, well time to kill everyone on planet earth and it's just the worst types of pollution you could think of and wipes everyone out that would be the real full circle for miyazaki to close it all out but honestly they could make a sequel because the this is based off a of manga but and it's four volumes long and this movie only covers the first volume and a half so theoretically like they could just redo the movie and make a whole regular ass movie based off the manga or this, this movie make a already... sequel of so it was already two mo- two hours long. I know, but you can cut out some of the. Well, no, because no. I do like the panning shots. <laughs> yeah, all of it was really all good. All the nature shots I, are really nice. Yeah, there's there. There's honestly no Ghibli Ghibli film that I would want that I've seen. I should specify that too. That I've seen that I would want to see a sequel of. Partly because I feel like if there were to be a sequel for any of them, it would almost be a reason to correct mistakes that were made in the initial film. Cause so that Porco Rosso. Porco Rosso could just be deleted from the library and that would be fine. Um, I love Porco Rosso. It's you just a would. fun movie. You just single celled membrane. Um, Smooth the brain. Yeah. The, cause as we've talked through a lot of the Ghibli Ghibli films, we keep having a, like the same sort of repeated, feedback and comments to Miyazaki films, which is like, it's clear when the storyboarding stopped and when 
just all hell broke loose and then there's a wrap up right because there's certain there's very specific films that are like that a lot of the very popular ghibli ghibli films are like that but again i think that gives those films a very distinct identity so going back and being like we're making a my neighbor totoro 2 it's <laughs> like two toro two god Boo. i Boo. <laughs> Uh, okay, gonna read. The mom has gonna cancer recoup. again. Stop. <laughs> oh, Jesus, dude. Um, like, <laughs> I feel like if My Neighbor Totoro 2 or something to that effect, like even Spirited Away 2, a lot of the popular ones were to come out, it, they would, my immediate reaction would be that this is a correcting point to address some of the gaps or misses in the original. And I don't think I would appreciate it as much. I can understand if there's still story left to be said, fine, totally relatable. I get that. But my immediate reaction to seeing any sort of sequel to what's been released currently would be, ah, this is just to put band-aids over the big oopsie from the original. But that's what we like the oopsies. We that's gives it that Ghibli Ghibli feel. Like we're so used to films now being like incredible in the beginning half, still great in the second act, and then a mad rush in the third act to the point where you it's a fucking blur and then it's over. Yep. It's basically I, like the biggest amount of foreplay and then the worst blue balls in your <laughs> life. Like that's that's that is the very crude explanation of what a Ghibli Ghibli film is like. It is, it's hour and forty five minutes of just foreplay and teasing, and then five minutes of getting blue balled and getting kicked out of your seat. Like, all right, head home, get out of my fucking theater. Like, I, that's that's just my take. Nausicaa, I guess I can understand if there is still source material left that they could go off of and continue but yeah maybe to what you were saying frank maybe it would be better for them to just do an a re-release of the original with like maybe yeah yeah maybe make it like um i this might make people cringe um maybe make it like the the hobbit films it's like you know just do three different parts to it Split it up. I thought. Yeah. I don't, I don't know yeah. why I thought you were gonna say like Attack on Titan. I was gonna be like, do not. The final part of the final chapter of the uh, final season, part yeah. two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no. Another pearl. No. I. I. I just. Yeah. My. My brain just cringes at the thought of doing any sort of sequels to what's out. I and I. I think that we can all agree. What's being released currently, the most recent being The Boy and the Heron, is a very good sign that there's still plenty of new ideas and great stories to be told by Miyazaki. So much so that you don't have to rehash an old film to do some sort of continuation, stick these two puzzle pieces that don't really fit together and make one you know, bigger story. I'd much rather right. see the new ideas and the new imaginative pieces come to life then there's another fucking bathhouse for the girl to go explore because her parents got turned into horses this time i don't know some dumb shit roll with it that's what i imagine miyazaki's like he's like all right bathhouse two this time her parents can turn into horses 
No, I I so agree. Her, I see what you, go. I see what you mean. Like they a lot of what they do stands and speaks for itself, and a lot of these films have those souls because we know there's not going to be anything else that it is self-contained that it is this one adventure. Um, and I, I, I don't think, I feel like this is a big lesson to North America for films because the movie factory that is Hollywood seems to think anything and everything at least needs a sequel, a mini series, a comic book tie in or in some way, additional media to make you understand and completely get a story. Whereas we don't have any fun, self-contained movies as, as much as we used to, like the nineties was literally the throw stuff at a wall, find out what sticks and like, let's make movies or even the early two thousands with like all of, um, well, Waterboy, I think, was the 90s, but you have yeah. um, Wedding Crashers, you have Old School, you have Anchorman, you have, like, I Love You, Man, I think is later. But it's it's that generation of, like, goofy, weird movies that people were just making literally to make. And then all of a sudden, Disney buys Marvel and Star Wars, and they're like, well, you have to watch these 18 episodes to understand these six episodes to understand this movie. And people are like, no, man, I just I just want to absorb and, and consume content. Like, I don't want to, like, schedule my day out for it. It's the difference between having enough money to burn thousands of villages with and <laughs> and just enough to produce masterpieces. Yeah. Exactly. And then earn enough to then make another masterpiece, right? I mean, like it's that's it's a completely with, different engine between it's the, Hollywood yeah. and Japan. I was gonna say Hollywood is just uh, they're playing everything so safe right now. Like the only thing they are just burning and churning old movies over and over and over again. And the only studio that seems to give a shit about movies and making something new and refreshing is A twenty four. Like they're the only yep. things that we have that it closely resembles anything artistic anymore. In, in the United States. I mean, we're also getting lower and lower in terms of the amount of directors that are producing anything of value anymore either. Honestly, yeah. like it's it's the list keeps dwindling down because you see directors, actors, different studios being like, yeah, sure, we'll take this shit heel of a, of a story and make something out of it, I guess. How much money are you saying you're going to give us? 150 mil? Sure, why not? Yeah. Meanwhile, you see there's much more care and patience put into making media in many other countries, not just Japan, but many, many other countries. So, yeah, it's it's this is why we, I feel like this is what. Yeah, it, it is unfortunate, but this is also why we are such fans of a lot of media outside the U.S. Obviously, Japan specifically for the podcast, but like there are tons of different shows movies content that is generated outside the u.s that we prefer at least i prefer more than what i, I watch agree. most of the time agree, here yeah. yeah so no yeah. we're all in agreements there but i think for final thoughts for me um it's a good movie if you haven't seen it it's definitely worth a watch um it's just go into it knowing it's a very simple op not necessarily open close because there is more material but like 
they do for all intents and purposes tell an open closed story with a very simple premise and theme um and if you can get behind that you'll thoroughly enjoy yourself if you want like a complex oh my god because they took one step on the desert here it did a butterfly effect in Neo Tokyo or something, and now the, the I don't know I don't know where this brain ramble was going. Brain I you're looking ramble. for ramble. That's you're going to talk about the the beach that makes you old or something. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> M Night Shamalamalama Dong Dong. Yeah, but anyways, it's it's one of those things that if you're looking for something deep, you're not going to get it here. But if you're looking for something light and fun, you're going to get it. Like that's a that's buckling. that's a good. Yeah, That's I agree. Mm. Light and fun, probably not the best way to describe it. There's a lot of death, probably a lot of not destruction. There's... Um, but, yeah, but I I agree from the standpoint that the message is very clear. You don't really have to think too deep into it, right? You're not having to like turn over rocks and scour through the desert to figure out what the fuck the meaning of this movie is. It's, it's very plainly plastered everywhere in every scene. Um, the one thing I will disagree with is that I, I think this the story is a bit more complex it has a lot of very I, I guess consistent themes that other movies use you have a very clear hero's journey with Nausicaa a lot of other elements that are shared across films of that time period too where there's warring nations and a threat level beyond recognition like that's not anything uncommon but it's the it's the pairing of all those different elements into this one film that i think makes it really intriguing and complex in that regard again message straightforward story there's a bit more layering to it and i think that's what i i can appreciate a lot about it too and and again if you keep it in perspective that this movie came out 40 years ago it's miyazaki's First directorial, second, second, the second, second. I knew that second film, uh, not Ghibli. I knew that that's not a Ghibli, Ghibli film, right? I got that. Uh, if you keep that in, in, in perspective, too, and take into consideration all the limitations, I think it is an incredibly impressive film from a cinematography standpoint. Um, but again, like it's it's good, it's not groundbreaking, you know, if you're if you just watched. The Boy and the Heron, and then you go watch Nausicaa, you're going to be like, what the fuck is this? Uh, humble beginnings from a humble man. Yeah, basically. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think if you keep everything in perspective and, and can appreciate the finer details of what went into the film and how the film was produced and then the uh, outcome, I think it is a very, very spectacular film. Definitely worthy of a top five, Frank. And yeah, everyone should just go watch it again because it's 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 like kind of the beginning times of what then became Ghibli Ghibli. Yeah. And also, oh, never mind. Is no, 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 go comment. for it. Throw no, in no, your no, dumb comment. Very, you, very... you started it. You finish it. Uh, Tyler, I was going to tell you, you said it was a threat level that could not be imagined, and I just, my brain went to the joke, is it threat level midnight? Midnight? With Michael Skarn? Okay, that was my joke. I have the record button to turn on and off, and I was so tempted to just hit it off right there before any sort of Drew, final thoughts, buddy! Final thoughts? Um, I like it. It's... 
it's beautiful it's colorful even with their limited palette it's a film that i'll always enjoy and i think if you're someone who is interested in the animation and how movies are made it's also a great one to research and and learn um and just it's overall one of the safer ghiblis i i feel like introducing people to and I had fun. So I want to thank everyone for coming out, being the best part of uh, the team and loving us, sharing that love, whether that's on the apps or that's on social media. Remember, you can always send us an email. Send it to um, bakakopodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. And I want to thank everyone Flawless. for everything. Have everything, a everywhere, all at once. Thanks, everyone. Threat level midnight. Oh, I'm, we're done. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Back up! Back up.